So good morning, everybody. Good, good to see you. Uh, it's good to officially be here and uh, to to get to meet so many of you and shake hands and talk and visit. I know that for many of you, it's been a long time, a long process, and a long time coming to this day. But I want you to know that for us, it's kind of been the same way. Um, though we may not have been searching the whole time that you have been, um, God was starting that work in our family and in our lives very close to the same time that he started that need here. And it's been really cool to watch different pieces of that story unfold in different moments um, from as early as uh, for us as Easter of last year up until now to kind of see how God's led and directed and kind of pulled this all together. And so I just want to let you know that we are uh, truly just uh, blessed to be here. And um, we know that there are so many of you we still haven't really gotten to know and gotten to meet because we've not been here that long. And honestly, right now, we're still staying over in Centerpoint, which is a good little stretch away until the house stuff gets settled down and we get ours sold and the new and bought and all that kind of stuff, closing dates, and eventually all that will be taken care of. And it'll be a lot easier. But for now, I do want to still say, if you have some free time, especially during the day, we'll have the kids over here for school and I'll be in the offices on certain days and around certain times. Just yell if you want to get my cell phone number. I'm happy to give that out. I would love to try to find time to sit down and meet with you, to talk, to get to know some of you, um, just to get to know the body because uh, that's the way we're going to be most effective is when we work together and know each other. So I just want to throw that out there that it may be difficult for me to know all of you right off the bat and say, hey, let's get together. But feel free. Don't feel like you can't invite because I'm uh, too busy or something else. I absolutely want to throw out that invitation. If you've got some free time and want to see if I've got some free time, I would love to talk and visit. So that being said, um, I, I think about all the moments that have led us to this point throughout the last year plus and all of those significant uh, details and things that God has worked out. And those things uh, are, are things I enjoy looking back at. I always like stopping every once in a while. And taking a look back at the events that led up to this point. History was not my subject when I was younger. It was probably some of my lowest grades in like junior high and uh, elementary school. Because sadly I just wasn't all that interested. But as I got older and I grew up a little bit, I started to realize that history is really a beautiful subject. And looking back at the events that brought us from the beginning to this point are always really important. Not only for the sake of learning from our past mistakes, but also kind of seeing like where are we headed? What is ultimately the things that are steering us and pointing us in certain directions? And I love looking back, especially at my own life, and those events and those moments that brought me to this point. And so this morning, I thought it might be appropriate since this is our first real Sunday here with you, and there's so many of you that uh, may not know that much about us yet, that I would share a little bit about myself. This won't be necessarily one of the typical things you hear me talk about from, I mean, you'll hear me talk about myself and work in stories, but typically I, I like to preach a little different than this, but I felt this morning it would be appropriate to help you get a glimpse of some of the events that made me more specifically who I am. What are some of those big moments in my life that kind of stand out to me that are significant details that have shaped me to be the man that I am, and therefore have the heart and passion for the things I have a heart for. And so I want to share some of those stories, not to lift myself up, and not just to say, hi, good to see you, nice to meet you, good, let's get to know each other, 
but ultimately to still glorify God. Because I believe that's ultimately what our testimony is, our story. When we share our story, our testimony, our witness with someone else, we're ultimately telling them the story, just like Scripture, is this beautiful grand narrative that starts in Genesis and goes all the way through and is still continuing to be lived out today. It is God's story of how he created his creation, us, his very good creation, and how he continues to pursue after them. It's ultimately this big, beautiful story, and how we interact with it is about how our story is ultimately going to connect to his. How has he interacted with his people, and ultimately how are we trying to interact with him? And so this morning, I don't want us to just see stories about Nick. I still want us to see God's story being played out in the life of one person, because this is ultimately still about him and what he's doing and what he's working on and ultimately where he is taking us. And so before we dive into some of these stories, I just want to have a word of prayer this morning. Father, I love you and I'm thankful for a chance to be here, to partner with these people in this place and this time so that we can continue to serve you as the body of Christ. And this morning, I just want to pray that as we talk, as we discuss stories and memories from my head, that we wouldn't just hear things about me, that I wouldn't be the, the emphasis of the story, Father, but that you would, that you would receive glory, that you would be the one who's highlighted, and, and we would recognize your faithfulness. We would recognize your gifts and your, your wonderful blessings in our life. And Father, I pray that ultimately, by the end of the day, that we could all take some time and moments to reflect back and to look and to see exactly who it is you've called us to be and exactly where it is you're telling us to go. I love you, and I just give this time to you. It's in the wonderful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So if you didn't know this, I grew up not far down the road. Like I told you, I'm living over in Center Point, which is past Spencer, or Ellettsville, Spencer, Bowling Green, just a little past there, out in the middle of nowhere. Um, on the farm that we grew up in, I'm actually staying there now because uh, Dad has uh, graciously let us crash there and, and uh, letting us hang out there for the time being. But uh, that's where I grew up. I went to Clay City High School. Um, and we grew up initially, started going to church from the, as early as I can remember in this little United Methodist Church in even more of the middle of nowhere, it feels. Uh, this little bitty place where a lot of the congregation, I feel, a lot of times was made up of our family. But there were these people that made significant impacts. I remember learning in Sunday school from Rosemary and her, myself, and my sister being the only three down there a lot of Sundays, learning Bible stories. And we had Bible story books in the house, and I learned a good deal about what Scripture says and some of these events with Adam and Eve in the garden and Noah and the ark and, you know, all these different stories that we continue to build on and we continue to teach kids. I got a lot of that foundation. Just it was a good start and a good way to begin learning. But it was later down the road, uh, probably around third grade, that my parents separated. And wise parenting said, hey, the kids are the only kids that attend this church, really. And so we should probably fix that. And so we started attending a different church uh, where we had more friends. And this was a bigger, booming church of like 80 to 100 folks. And uh, at the time, that seemed like a big deal to me because the little church we've been going to is significantly smaller than that. And so they had youth group and they had children's ministry. And we had good friends who were there. I, my best friend, one of my, a lot of my groomsmen and my best man at my wedding, um, all attended there. And I kind of grew up with them in Sunday school and, and started growing in my faith and challenging and wrestling with different stuff, and I, I made some first steps to following and, and, and got baptized, and different things were going on, but I was still 
a junior, senior high kid who was still very selfish in a lot of ways and still making a lot of the same mistakes many of us make. And the internet was being introduced right about that time, so that was awesome. Uh, Not really. That caused a whole lot of other problems. And there were just so many different things that were kind of working where I was this first child who really wanted to follow the rules. Like my daughter, Elia, she's really into the rules. Um, She's the firstborn. She's a lot like dad in the sense that we don't want to disappoint. We don't want to break the rules. But at the same time, like I'm learning to kind of skirt them. I'm learning to kind of get around them. I'm learning to kind of still make selfish decisions. And I'm battling back and forth between this struggle of how do I live this life of faith that I've been called to? And yet at the same time, who am I and what am I doing? But it was a little bit later in high school. There's, uh, we're still plugged in, involved in the church, but we kind of settled into actually going to our youth group on Wednesdays. We weren't bouncing around uh, some of the other cooler youth groups on Wednesdays, and band had settled down. I was a marching band guy, so we always had practice on Wednesdays, so that had stopped, and we started attending regularly on Wednesday nights, and there were only like five or six of us in our youth group, and we're sitting there listening to this guy who was only about 10 years older than me, Melvin Gene Rogers, or as he probably rightly goes by Chip. Um, Melvin Jean's mouthful, I guess. I'd still like to call him that from time to time, though. But uh, Chip Rogers, this guy who, like I said, he's graduated college. He's working back at Indiana State, working in the offices there, and and got himself a career started. He's freshly married. He's kind of starting a family. Um, and But he's volunteering as the youth, youth leader, youth pastor at the church. And he's teaching on Wednesday nights, and we're sitting there listening. There's like five or six of us guys that are in there. There weren't very many girls at the time. And we're listening to Chip teach, and we're, we're kind of getting excited because the more we listen to Chip, like we start to realize that, man, Chip is really wound up. Like he is really into this. Like he's really excited about this. And, and the more you listened, he was starting to make these connections between this Old Testament story and this New Testament story, and, and we're kind of going, whoa, I never thought about that before. That's, that's really cool. And he's, he's just excited. He's full of energy. He's full of passion. He's praying really just passionately over us and over different things that are going on. And, and a few of us are just sitting there going, man, this is, this is just good. Like, we're getting so much out of this. And as we listen, as we hear, as Chip is being transformed and changed by God's word, it's contagious. And a few of us are leaning in, really saying, wow, this is amazing. And I'm pretty sure it was my friend Kendall, his little brother Dwight, one night said, man, I just wish we could do this more. Like, I wish we had more times during the week we met and and studied and grew and learned. And Chip's being the wise guy that he was in that moment with a family, a young family with all these different things he had going, Chip leans in and doesn't miss his opportunity. And he says, absolutely. How about tomorrow night? You guys free tomorrow night? Let's come back here and just pray. Right, yeah, yeah, let's do it. We're ready. Let's, let's show up. We'll be at the church Thursday night, too, and we're going to pray. So a handful of students, a couple of adults show up at the church to pray. And it's kind of funny because one of our friends who wasn't necessarily um, sure about how she felt about the church, she wasn't sure how she felt about Christ, she showed up. And we're kind of going, oh, man, this, is, this was kind of going to be like a serious prayer time. and We're, we're afraid this is going to scare her off. And it was cool, I I could tell this story for an hour in and of itself, but the way that night played out, 
and the way God used that moment to start a work in her and to kind of move her further down the road. And funny enough, the next week we're like, man, we got it. We're just so amped up right now. We're, we're so excited about what God's doing. The next week we're going to pray again on Thursday night. And it's funny because another of my friends who'd been really standoffish towards the church and, and really kind of keeping the church at arm's length, he shows up the second week. And you would have thought we'd learned our lesson the first week. But the second week, we're kind of going, oh, man, he's here. I don't, I don't know if this is a good thing. I don't know how he's going to react to this. Same kind of stuff happens. God makes a big difference in his life, makes a huge move in his heart and starts to transform him and change him. It's kind of fun today. I was just catching up with him not all that long ago, and he's helping to plant a church for his church in Indianapolis involved in that kind of stuff, but to see the work that God started in that moment in those weeks. And this didn't slow down for a while. It wasn't like an every week thing, but we started just praying with passion, and we're falling in love with God's word, and we're meeting at first at the church, but eventually in Chip's living room. And this small group of five to six students started growing. And eventually we have 20 to 30 students in Chip's living room praying every week and some Sunday nights on our youth Sundays we would have 50 to 60 students in the building and like 20 adults and the adults kind of started looking around going um maybe we should start praying on Thursday nights that'd probably be a good idea and and it was this amazing stuff that was going on in my life and I am all of a sudden for the first time ever just so excited about what God's doing like I'd gone to church I'd I loved my church. I loved my church family. I had so many people who had poured into me. But these events that are playing out, and we're meeting together, and we're praying. And it wasn't like we're going to hang out at Chip's house, and we're going to talk sports for 20 minutes, and then we're going to goof off for a little bit, and then we're going to pray for five minutes. This was like we would sit down with our Bibles for 20, 30 minutes and share the stories and the passages that were jumping off the page at us this week. We were pouring into each other, and then we would pray for 30 to 40, to 50, depends on how long Chip prayed, really, but honestly, he would like, we would pray for a long time, and we loved every minute of it, and even when Chip would just take off and pray, and pray, and pray, I remember those moments just feeling so short, and feeling so engaged, because I was in love with Jesus in that moment, I was falling in love with our Savior, I was falling in love with his word, and I was falling in love with his presence, and in that moment, I learned this extremely valuable lesson that has shaped a great deal of who I am. I looked back, because I eventually went on to Bible college. I studied the Bible. I invested, I poured into it, I took Bible classes, I took theology classes, I studied, and I got probably more jaded than I'd ever been before on how I felt about different things. I wrestled with so many different conflicting views and so many different opinions And there were a lot of things about those courses in those time in school that were just frustrating more than they were helpful. And I look back at all of that, and I felt like I learned a lot, and I felt like I came out prepped for ministry, and I I constantly look back to those moments and those weeks and those evenings with Chip Rogers, who did not go to school to get a Bible degree, who did not work in any capacity for our church, didn't get paid, He volunteered, he was raising a family, eventually started leading worship at the church as well and just pouring himself into that place on a volunteer level, completely surrendering himself both to his family and to God's calling in his life. And he's just still, to this day, doing both of those roles and serving in a youth ministry that's just fantastic in a church that really is a lot the same. But here's the thing. In the midst of all that, I've constantly looked back and I've told college students this that come through my that I've had encounters with, I'm like, it really doesn't matter 
how much you think you know if you're not in love with God's word. It doesn't matter how much you think you're prepared for something if you're not growing yourself. Because the real truth of what was happening in that moment is Chip was surrendered to growing. Chip was adamantly pursuing Jesus, and he was just bringing us along for the ride. Chip was pouring himself into God's word and into prayer, and as he was growing, he was saying, you guys should come check this out. Here's what I'm learning. All he was doing was sharing his own growth. He wasn't already the expert. He was just sharing in his own growth. And I learned a great deal about discipleship that day because you don't have to be the expert. You don't have to be the foremost, most knowledgeable person on any piece of scripture. All you have to do is be seeking after God and his heart and his presence and asking someone to join in that process with you. And as he grew, we grew, and we all got excited, and all this stuff went on. And again, I said I went on to Bible college, and I went to Olivet Nazarene University to start with. Olivet is up near Kankakee, Illinois, um, just an hour south of Chicago, because I had gone to a lot of youth events. Growing up in the Nazarene church, the church I was at there, um, there was a lot of events. The Nazarene church is very connected. It's a denomination, so the youth groups do stuff together. I knew a lot of people, and I knew they taught youth ministry. And I said, that makes sense. I should go there. And so I went to Olivet, and I spent my first year there, and I was starting to come out of my shell. I had been a little reserved around people I didn't know. I was pretty talkative with my friends, but if we didn't know each other, I was kind of shy and quiet. And I got to know a lot of people. I started kind of getting over this quiet, shy thing. I was really meeting tons of people because I already knew a lot walking in, and they all had connections, and it just kind of felt like a huge church camp, to be honest. I was kind of reconnecting with friends. We were all going to school. There were a lot of people from this area that I knew because we were all Southwest Indiana District together. And so I go to college. I'm there for about a year, and everything's going okay. Tessa and I have started dating at this point, and summer hits, and I really don't remember a whole lot about that summer. I just knew it was kind of a rough time with different circumstances, different things that were going on. I was struggling to kind of figure out what all I was doing, and and I knew I wanted to be in youth ministry. I knew that was God's calling in my life, but I, I kind of went back for that third semester, and it was just a rough semester. And I just wasn't feeling it. I was having some rough classes. I didn't really like the school aspect of it, but at that point, I just thought this is school. It's kind of the way it works. You just don't like it, you know. And I'm learning, I'm studying, but I'm just not feeling like I'm supposed to be there. So at Christmas break, I decide I'm, I'm withdrawing. I'm not going to come back. I know I still need to be in youth ministry. I know I still need to go to school. I just don't know where. And so I spent some time praying over it. I took a semester off. A lot of different events are happening in my life. A lot of different stuff is going on. I went to a conference that Christmas break with Tessa, and she can attest to the fact I was just kind of a mess that week because I just was sitting there listening and asking God to reveal himself, asking for his presence like I had experienced so many times before in Chip's living room, and I just felt like he was just being so quiet. And I just wanted an answer, and I just wanted to know what was next. I just kind of wanted to know, am I doing the right thing? Am I in the right place? What's going on? I just had no clue. I just knew that I was stepping into this place that he was calling me to go. And so I eventually sorted some stuff out and eventually kind of got applied to some other schools and started figuring out where I was headed. And all of a sudden, this opportunity came up to go to Indiana Wesleyan University. I knew very little about the school, and I knew one person that was attending there at the time. And so I was kind of unsure about whether this was going to work out so well, but God kind of seemed to keep opening these doors. So when I went to enroll for classes, I said, can I get a tour? Because I haven't been here before. And 
they showed me around, and we stepped on the campus, and Tessa was with me that day, and I just felt this peace, like this is the place, okay. And I spent the next however long it took to graduate there. I graduated in 2005, so I didn't do the math ahead of time, sorry. <laughs> but I spent those semesters there growing, and I spent some time there kind of trying to connect with people. But it was funny, early on, I didn't feel like I had a ton of solid relationships early. Like I said, I knew one person, but that friend group was pretty established, and I was just trying to figure out my place. And then I met these two knuckleheads named Andy and Nathan. And I say knuckleheads with all the love in my heart because they are some of my, they were two guys that stood up with me on my wedding. Like, I love these guys dearly. They made a huge impact in my life, but they were crazy. And Andy, just to clarify, grew up a preacher's kid and had spent a lot of time in the church, but had not necessarily walked that path and had run a lot of drugs in the area he grew up and had done a lot of drugs and had assaulted an officer. And finally, God said, hey, you should probably straighten up. And he kind of got the picture and said, okay. And ended up at Indiana Wesleyan. So there's Andy, and he's trying to figure out his own faith. Like, he's been in the church. He's grown up there, but he's kind of straight along his own path. And Andy's just this big, goofy grin, but he's like big, muscular dude with this big, silly grin all the time and just a fun spirit of like, oh, let's go figure it out. Like, let's just go talk to people and figure it all out. I'm like, okay, I'm kind of nervous, but let's do it. <clears throat> and Nathan was kind of the more grounded one. He grew up in the church as well. And he had gone to another school, and as he put it, he majored in foosball that year and didn't do such a great job of investing in schooling, and therefore he didn't get to stay at that school very long. And uh, so he was also there trying to figure it out, but he was such a sweet guy. He was that guy who would walk around and open the door for everybody, like every girl, like he'd walk around and open the door for the car, like of the car for anybody to get in. He was just this genuinely nice big guy who just was the sweetest guy you ever met. And so these two were like really good friends, and they were my RAs. And I start hanging out with them because I got put in the apartments, and the apartments are the place where they stick all the transfers and the, the athletes. And so we're hanging out kind of off, not in the dorms, not in the normal community in these apartments, but I'm getting to know these two crazy guys. And the funny thing is one of our buddies has a GameCube, the Nintendo GameCube, and one of them has NCAA college football on the GameCube. And we start playing this dynasty league together, which just means everybody has their own team and you play through a whole season. So when it would be your turn, Andy would be like, hey, you're up. It's your turn. Get in here and play. And so you had to keep your games going. But what that caused, it seems silly at the time, but it caused this group of like 10 of us to constantly spend time in Andy's room. And all of us are sitting there in Andy's room talking and there's a lot of guys in this room who've transferred in from other places, guys who had different sort of stories, guys who had different backgrounds and upbringings in their faith. And all of us are sitting in there wrestling with the theology classes we're taking. All of us are sitting in there wrestling with the Bible classes we're studying through. One guy's over here playing a football game, and we're kind of laughing at him because he just lost. But we're at the same time having great discussions about who God is about what God has actually called us to. And I started to realize for the first time since I had left, it took a while, and it was a long process, but I started to finally see why God had pulled me out of that place and moved me into this place. Because over here, I had great relationships. Over here, I had a lot of the same teaching that I had been brought up on in the Nazarene Church. I had a lot of the same people saying a lot of the same things in all the same ways. I hadn't really wrestled with any of it. I hadn't questioned any of it. I hadn't even thought to look it up myself and say, is that actually what the Bible says? 
Even though I was taking Bible classes, it was presenting the same information I'd heard time and time again. And even though the Wesleyan church wasn't much different than that Nazarene church, and their teaching was a lot the same, I was hanging out with these guys who were questioning everything. Not in a sake of trying to disprove Scripture, but in a, the way, in the sake of trying to discover what is God actually calling us to? What does He actually want from us? What is Scripture really pushing us towards? And as we had these conversations, it only deepened my faith and my relationship and the way I saw God's word, and the way I saw this grand narrative that was calling us to something bigger, that was calling us to this beautiful mission where everyone mattered, and everyone was loved, and everyone was pursued, even if they weren't living up to their end of the deal. And I loved those conversations and those times with those guys, and I started to realize for the first time that God was stretching me and changing me and and causing me to say, I never want to be content with what I think I know. I never want to sit back and just say, yeah, I feel like i got a pretty good grasp on this. Let's move on. I always want to wrestle with God's word. I always want to listen for his voice. I always want to have good conversations with people who challenge me and bring different perspectives. I always want to be a learner and never settle into a complacent place where I think I've got it all figured out. Because God taught me in that moment, settling into this place of comfort where I have all the great relationships, where I think I know all the answers, is a place where I was getting stagnant and lost and frustrated. But coming over here where I didn't have all the answers and I had to step out on faith and I didn't know everybody by name and it was uncomfortable and and a challenge and pushing me to something beyond my comfort zone, that's where I was going to grow. That's where he was going to make me something that he could use. So here's these stories and these two big pieces that kind of shaped me to learn that I didn't have to have all the answers, but at the same time, I needed to constantly wrestle with trying to process what is the answer. What is it that God's trying to teach me? How do I fall in love with God and yet still wrestle and, and, and process and learn and grow through his word? And then the, here's the thing. I, I got out of college. I graduated in 2005. Tessa and I get married. I start working at uh, Wheatland Christian Church down near Vincennes. Um, some of you might know Brent Kramer. I was working with him. He's the, the lead pastor there, and I was the youth pastor, and we were working together, and it was a great four years where I was the youth pastor and the children's pastor and helped lead worship and was head of a building team, and um, the list goes on and on and on um, because I was the first ever additional staff member, and we were, they were trying to figure out that role. I was trying to figure out that role, and I was trying my best to do everything that everybody needed to feel like their needs were being met. And I would bend over backwards and be out late and talk until 2 in the morning and do whatever it was I felt like I needed to try to meet the needs of the people there. And I didn't realize it until November 9th of 2009 when I first had my first day where I was no longer employed by Wheatland Christian Church. I had chose to start looking for employment elsewhere, and they said, okay, that's cool. We'll set your resignation date, and we'll do all that. And, and so I resigned on a Sunday, November 8th, and I substitute taught on November 9th. And I stepped into a class of third graders to substitute teach on that Monday. And third grade looks very different than when I was in it. Um, they have a lot more freedom to move around and do stuff. And I'm going, oh, my goodness, I lost a kid. Where did he go? He's in the computer lab. He's supposed to be there. Oh, okay. I uh, didn't know that. wish I had known. But anyway, that was a crazy day where I was nervous constantly that I was going to lose a third grader. And yet at the same time, I realized the relief that I was feeling because I had just burned myself out on both ends and hadn't even realized it. I'd never realized what I was doing and how much my attempts 
to please everybody. My attempts to work at every angle to do everything I needed to do were just wearing me out. And then I go and I take eventually in 2010, we started a position in Seymour, Tennessee, Seymour Heights Christian Church down in between Knoxville and Sevierville. And that's where we've been for the last eight years. Um, and I was serving there initially as a youth pastor, eventually um, took a, kind of a shift in roles and became the family pastor. And it was weird because my first few weeks at Seymour Heights were very different. I only had to worry about junior and senior high. There were other people to do worship. There were other people to do children's ministry. There were other people to do this. In fact, I had a bunch of leaders doing youth ministry with me, and I didn't even have to do all of the work there. And I was kind of saying, what am I supposed to do with my time? This is weird. This is so different than the experience I just came from. Like, I'm kind of going, wow, I have time to be creative, time to get all the stuff done, and I'm still sitting here kind of going, how can I help Angie this week? How can I help other staff members this week? Because I just felt like I had so much time. Because the, the environment I had come from was go, 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 go. And I started to recognize and realize and, and started to effectively put into place that my goal was not to do all the work. And my goal was not to keep everybody happy. And even there, I started to find myself doing so much for other people to try to make sure everything got done that I felt like we were spending all of our time working towards Sunday morning. So I would spend a lot of time in an office with the same six people every week trying to get ready for Sunday morning. And I might hang out and go to some ball games. I might do this, that, and the other. But honestly, I felt like I was kind of finding myself in a different rut and wearing myself out in a different way because here I was trying to please everybody and do everything. And here I was just kind of way too comfortable and things were way too easy and yet at the same time I just felt like there was so much about my community I didn't know and so much stuff outside the walls that we weren't doing and I was kind of scratching my head saying there's got to be a way that God is calling us to live and to engage this world that's different and it's in those moments that I, I got some good relationships with some different people and it was kind of funny that I had students that had graduated from my youth ministry at Seymour who just kind of stuck around um, it took a little bit of twisting their arm at first to get them to stick around and like plug in and be involved, but they told me repeatedly before we left that they're really glad they did, so I believe them. Um, but in those moments, I told the, and I, uh, the struggle to tell them is how much they meant to me, because in those times of seeing them grow and, and building them up as leaders, I started to recognize in myself for the first time what I really care about and what I'm really passionate about in ministry. Not just knowing God's word and, and having a heart for who he is, but actually putting that into practice and into work. And, and seeing the late night conversations where I had a small number of people who I met with pretty regularly. I had these, these students and adult leaders in my home regularly. I had them hanging out after youth group and they were there Wednesday nights and we would just spend so much time together. And I'm recognizing the growth in them. And as they're growing, I'm getting excited because I can see the decisions they're making that are productive. I'm seeing the wise actions they're taking. I'm seeing them have a heart and passion for the students they're investing in. I'm seeing them grow, and I start to recognize it's not about me doing all the work. I can let go and let them do some of the work. Some of my favorite Wednesdays were when I saw one of those students I had poured into stand up and teach a lesson, and I wasn't being lazy. I was just enjoying watching someone I had poured into share their heart and the word from their mouths, and they're investing in other students, and I'm seeing everyone grow, and knowing still that it was because God had pushed me to invest and pour into them. 
And because of the investment and the pouring in that I got to do there, I saw that trickling down and, and continuing to make more disciples. I started to recognize that pattern that I've known for a long time, that if one of us is making a number of disciples, you know, like maybe 3 to 12, seems like a really solid number that might be biblically based. 3 to 12 seems like a really good number, right? And that's kind of where I saw, I recognized, I have these three people that I'm like really close to, but I have all this group that I'm close to, and and they're really investing in students, and they're really growing in their faith, and they're really wrestling with questions, and I recognized how much more of an impact we were making because of that. And God reminded me in the last year, specifically, who he had created me to be. Not just someone who loves his word and wants to grow daily in it. Not someone who just wants to wrestle and ch- with the questions and, and challenge us to grow and do better. But someone who puts that word and those actions and that learning into practice and makes disciples who makes disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Because ultimately the last statement he left with us before he left was, go into all the nations making disciples. Not making converts, that's a very different thing, and we'll talk about that more in the future, I'm sure, because you'll hear me talk about that more, and you want me to talk about it, probably. But not just making converts, people who make a decision, get baptized, and say, cool, we got another one. That's not how that works. It's bringing along a disciple who follows you where you go. Chip Rogers was one of the people who discipled me because I went with Chip to do ministry. I was with him in his living room talking about what we should do with our youth group. What were some of the creative events and ideas we could do? Who were we missing? Who did we need to pray for? As Chip was leading, I was following along with him and learning right there beside him. He wasn't a trained expert. He just was passionate, and that made him the best person for the job. And in those moments where I was wrestling, Andy and Nathan grabbed a kid out of the apartments who didn't seem to have a whole lot of friends, and they started bringing him along with them. And funny, I didn't mention this part, but one semester in, I became an RA too. One of the guys stepped down at Christmas break, and I joined the RA team, and these guys were some of my closest friends who constantly poured into me and brought me along as one of their projects, one of their guys they were investing in. They took me everywhere. When Andy would go preach at the local mission or at the local jail, he would bring me with him, and I'd sit and listen to him preach to other guys He was taking me different places. I would go home and see his family. I spent time in his house. I met his daughter. There were so many different things about how he brought me along, and I started to remember and recognize and look back at all those events and say, here's the thing. God has called us not just to learn, not just to grow. He doesn't want us to sit back and play church where we just sit and consume and say, that was good service. Let's go home and do all of the normal stuff for again this week until next Sunday when we come back and consume some more. He has called us to passionately seek after him with all of our heart, to grow to love him, his word, and his presence. He's called us to wrestle and never be content with what we think we understand, but to listen for his voice and say, God, how are you pushing me to step out of my comfort zone and grow more today? And then ultimately, at the end of the day, Father, how do I take the first steps to putting this into practice? Because I don't want to just sit back and go through the motions. I don't want to sit back and just get all the programming done. I don't want to do A, B, C, and D and mark them off my checklist so I feel like I've been productive today. I actually want to invest in another life in a way that makes a difference. I want to remember that I'm supposed to be pulling people along with me as I go about my day. 
And that could be as simple as bringing another mom along with me whenever I'm hanging out with my kids so she can grow and be encouraged and, and whatever. It could be bringing another dad along with me whenever he's needing this. It could be finding some other guy who's just down and out and needing encouragement and saying, hey, come hang out with us for dinner tonight. Whatever small steps it takes, it's about finding that person, identifying them and saying, hey, come hang out with me. I love Jesus. I'm going to go chase after him. Come with me. Those are little pieces of a story that brings me here. And I, I promise you we could talk all day, and I'm not going to do that to you because it would get really boring, more than it already has been. But I say all of those things to give you a glimpse into my heart to say this. I never want to be content with just knowing some stuff and being able to eloquently say it. And if at any point you feel like I'm not passionate about what I'm saying, please call me on it. You have my permission. Please give me grief about it. If you feel at any point that I'm saying stuff that I'm not actually living out, please call me on it. I need accountability. I think we all need accountability. And I don't think enough leaders say, I need accountability. Enough, there are way too many leaders in our world who say, I got it all together, come follow me. That is not something you will hear me say. I am a mess. I'm going to do my best. Let's go figure it out together. And I think if we grasp that concept that we all have learning to do, we all have growing to do, we're in a lot better place. Someone asked me, are you ready to take on this title of lead pastor? Are you ready to lead? And I'm like, no, not at all. No. No. But that's, that's what makes me most qualified. Because Moses was saying, uh, anybody but me, please, can we find somebody else? David proved that he had his own shortcomings. There were a number of leaders all throughout Scripture who proved that they weren't the guy for the job. And yet those are the guys God used most effectively because they were the humble ones who could fall on their knees and say, I don't have all the answers. I need you. I need the pillar of fire. I need the pillar or the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. I need that guidance and that leading, and that's who I always want to be. And so I say this morning all of these things to let you know my heart and who I am so that we can move forward together pursuing that same Savior together, pursuing a love for him, for his word, for his presence, never being content with what we think we know, but wrestling with tough questions, gaining different perspectives, saying, how could I possibly be wrong about what I've always assumed I was right about? Having humility, in other words, and moving forward with a desire not just to talk about it, but to actually do something about it and make a difference. Because ultimately, we are all called to make disciples. And I think at the end of the day, whenever our time on this earth comes, that is really the question. Did you do good stuff for the sake of doing good stuff? Or did you actually know who I was, act like me, spend time with me, and do the things that I called you to do? In other words, offer the gifts that you had to somebody else and bring them along with you in this process of getting to know me. Away from me, because I don't know you. That is not the words I want to hear. I want to hear, well done. I already know you. We spent a lot of time together. You messed up a great deal, but you were chasing me the whole way, and that was good. And that's his heart and his desire, is that we chase him with all of our heart, knowing that we will fall along the way, but knowing that if we continue to pursue him, if we continue to wrestle with these things, he's going to be faithful to lead us through to the other side. And so this morning, we're going to close up and we're going to have a word of prayer, and we're going to have an invitation here. And I, I want to say this. I know I was here a couple weeks ago, and it was um, one of those moments where 
I, I maybe didn't communicate as clearly as I, I should have. Because it was odd for me in that moment because people started to come up to pray, and it was that awkward moment of like, oh, do I go pray with people or do I not? I'm, I'm the guest here. That's kind of that moment where you just don't know what to do. So I want to be a little more clear and a little more upfront. If you want to pray with me this morning, I would love for you to grab me by the hand and say, hey, come pray for me. <laughs> if you want one of our elders to pray with you, I would absolutely love you to grab us and say, hey, can you pray specifically for this? I need prayer in my life because I'm looking back at those events and those times and I've forgotten exactly what it was God called me to. Or maybe you don't see those moments and those events and you just need to say, hey, God, I want to make more room for you to grow me and invest in me in those kind of ways. If you want some t- private time to pray, just wave me off and say, hey, I'm going to pray by myself. It's all good. I got this one. Because I understand sometimes you just need to spend time at the feet of Jesus. And sometimes it's not necessarily I need something specific. I just want to bow in his presence and spend time with him. Whatever it is you need, feel free. And whatever it is you want from us in terms of prayer, absolutely please let us know because it is so much more effective when we confess or talk about or make verbal the things we need in our life so others can pray for us. So I'm gonna, if you would, stand with me, and the worship team will come back up. We're all going to bow our heads and pray together. And like I said, if you need prayer this morning, come on up and let us know. We want to pray with you. We want to help you through that time. But continue to just seek, even if you're just going to sit there and pray, that's great. Maybe you just need to spend a moment to say, God, how is it you want me to look back? What are the moments you want me to remember? How is it that you're pushing me to move forward? Where is it I need to grow? And how effectively am I pursuing you? Let's pray. Father, I love you so much. I thank you for Chip. I thank you for Andy and Nathan. I thank you for Kristen and James Loft and so many other names that I could sit up here and rattle off forever. I thank you for my parents and all the people who invested in me and the people that poured into me over the course of my life. But most importantly, I thank you for the way that you were working in their hearts and lives. The way that you were pushing and pulling them along the way and causing them to invest in me so that ultimately I could stand here with these people today saying, let's pursue Christ together. Father, that's our heart's desire this morning is to pursue you, not just for the sake of knowing more answers than everybody else, but for the sake of actually taking a step out these doors and making a difference in our community, to actually loving on our neighbor and helping people understand who you are. So however you need to move us this morning, I pray that we would have the open hearts and ears to hear you. It's in the wonderful name of Jesus I pray. Amen.